You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 521, Charlie Watts and Don Everly remembered, Top of the Pops reviewed, and a quiz about live performances. That's all coming up after Saint Etienne and You're in a Bad Way. think Saint Etienne are ideal for the summer. This is yes, a perfect agreed. example. Uh, my favourite band of the last 30 years hmm. from the album So Tough as a single number 12 in the UK in 1993, Saint Etienne and you're in a bad way. Mm, I, I very much agree with you. A very summery band. Although having said that, I did see them do a Christmas show a few years ago, and that was <laughs> excellent. So they're they're the Swiss mm. Army knife of, uh, of of nineties bands. I recently purchased. I think people that follow me on social media media will know that my journeys into work, which I'm going doing now a couple of days a week, um, mm. you feature the use of a tape Walkman, which started off as as a way of saving battery on my phone. But because of course I am a terrible hipster that lives to wind you up, I very much. <laughs> Enjoyed 
the aesthetic the of it girl. as well. Yeah. yeah, I am. And I recently purchased from Wow and Flutter in Hastings, who now have a good selection of tapes, So Tough by Santetian on tape. Oh, and it's uh, it's a very, very nice album to commute to. So, yes. Yeah. Hooray oddly, for Santetian. Hooray for Santetian. Oddly, almost unknown outside the UK. Uh, the, 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 Bizarre, isn't it? it? Is, yeah. I, I think they might have a little bit of a following in Japan. But mm. then you could argue that, that lots of bands have a little yeah. bit of a following in Japan. But, yeah, it's strange. I... I I don't know what it is about them because they're they're so their outlook seems to be very cosmopolitan, doesn't it? And mm. you think that that might I'm surprised it's not bigger in Europe. There's something about very much them. So they have a very European think, feel, yes. Well, they do. You think not just their like, name. Like, mm. No, exactly. You think that's something that like a motorway would translate really well, mm. but no, not at all. Apparently. Welcome to episode 521 of the Parish Council. I'm Terence Stackham, and she's not in a bad way. It's Juliet Harris, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I mean... <laughs> I feel like I'm in a sort of a medium way at the moment, really. Oh, that's okay. that's that's where I'm pitching. But Maybe anyway, that's all I, we can hope for in absolutely. life. Absolutely, it's a good. Well, in these in these times, as we mm. keep having to say, it's it's not a bad result. Hi, everyone. When the when the news came through that Charlie Watts had died uh, during this last week, I went back mm-hmm. through YouTube to watch that now, I suppose, infamous interview in the mid 80s where Charlie Watts told David Hepworth that his time with the Stones had been five years of work and 20 years of hanging around. <laughs> but what was so telling about the whole clip was how difficult Charlie Watts was to interview. He was clearly uncomfortable about being Mm. the focus of the interview. And David Hepworth actually was heroic in continuing to (laughs) gently tease answers out of him. And it made me think, perhaps even confirm, that Charlie Watts had no time for stardom Mm. and saw the Rolling Stones as his job. Um, But that is understating his role. Often he's referred to as the glue that holds them together. And I suppose they will continue with the autumn tour as they knew Charlie would be absent anyway. But Jules, is it is it the Rolling Stones without Charlie Watts? I'm not convinced it is, if I'm honest. I'm he was by far and away my favourite Stone. What a great guy! Just a, mm. just a, a class act, it would seem. Another memorable Charlie Watts quote, by the way, to go with the sitting around one. Um, the result of him being introduced to the fledgling Rolling Stones after Tommy Tommy Chapman had quit was the result of that meeting. According to Watts, was four decades of seeing Mick Jagger's bum running around yeah. in front of me. I mean, it's he really was, has been sat at the back for. Yeah. Uh, you know, over 40 years. I'm a huge fan of Charlie Watts. I'm so sorry that he's passed on. I, but I, it was one of those news notifications which I genuinely kind of went, oh no, when the push thing went to my phone. I knew, obviously, we knew that he'd been ill and wasn't mm. well enough to tour. And yes, 80 is an excellent innings for someone that, you know, has been unwell with, with cancer and various things in the past. He was very much their straight man, wasn't he, really? I think we yeah. told the story the other week of Mick Jagger ringing during a debauched night in a hotel room asking for his drummer and Charlie Watts turning up in a three-piece suit and punching him and in fact reappraising Mick Jagger that he was in fact Charlie Watts's singer um mm. I am um, I I I think he very much was a steadying influence I was very interested to read actually that there was a moment in the 80s where Charlie Watts, steady old Charlie Watts, had some sort of drug problems mm. that he had to sort out. And the person that was the most horrified was Keith Richards, I think, <laughs> who was, whose view was, hang on a minute, you you know, this is awful. Apparently he did quite a lot of work in, in getting Charlie sorted out because, you know, sort of Keith mm. was, was horrified at the thought of sensible Charlie being in trouble like that, really. So, so his drumming is... 
I mean, we we I've picked something that we'll play towards the the, the end of the mm. program. But his his drumming is just. I mean, Ringo Starr is always sort of written up as as a, as a you know as sort of one of the people that changed drumming. But the thing about Charlie Watts's drumming is that you don't automatically notice it, but when you do, there's a lot going on. It manages to sort of hide in plain sight, which is a real skill, I think. Actually, not a lot of people sort of are good at doing that or have the lack of ego to do that I think as well and I think you're completely right that he saw the Rolling Stones as his job and he would turn up and do the uh, do the, the the work he um he stayed with his wife uh, Shirley throughout which I think was lovely um the quote by the way of, of Charlie Watts's mid 80s off the railsness was it got so bad that even Keith Richards bless him told me to get it together so when mm. Keith Richards is telling you to to sort to sort yourself out i didn't realize he had a daughter called seraphina as well what a name but um but yeah i'm a i'm a huge huge fan of charlie um he i I like the fact he did have a few rock star um rock star excesses or perhaps rock star um rock star sort of characteristics in that him and his wife bred arabian horses on a farm in devon that does feel a little bit like rock Mm. stars going back to the fish farm doesn't it but um he was he was a a, an expert at antique silver and a collector apparently i like it when when older men are just older men i think that's quite enjoyable (laughs) he collected old classic cars in true rock star uh, style he did not drive but collected (laughs) collected rock and roll cars anyway and had very much had a jazz backing as well big fan of charlie parker had written books about him i think or contributed to books about him um i he he just seemed like a very solidifying force really and it does feel very strange i know he's quote unquote only the drummer but it feels very strange to imagine the rolling stones continuing without him and the the posts from the various members he seemed to be the one that everyone liked do you know what Mm, i mean he seems to be the one that that, that everyone is really sad about and i wonder how they will feel about continuing without him that's the main question isn't it really whether they feel that there is there is it's too much of a a loss or whether you know the juggernaut has to roll on I don't know but I I am so sad that he's gone and I I often you know my I've often you know teased people about you know I prefer the Beatles to the Rolling Stones but that doesn't mean to say that I don't like the Rolling Stones very much and it doesn't mean to say that Charlie Watts was an unnoticed part of their sound but I think that we will all notice when he's not there anymore the media commentator bob lefsetz mm. uh, puts out a newsletter and he mentioned um charlie watts the other day and he was absolutely republished a lot of letters he received he was absolutely inundated mm. with people um sending in emails saying how they'd met charlie watts just you know just ordinary people like you and me not other rock stars mm. um working in a, a, a tailoring shop or a record yeah. shop or something and how Charlie Watts had come in and been the absolute epitome of politeness and kindness yes. and pleasant and very interested in the person he was talking to, you know, sort of mm. finding out about them. And um, yeah, that, I think, like speaks so much yeah. that these were unsolicited, you know, just yes. from people who were saying, oh, I met him in 1983 or I met him in 2012. Yeah. And every single one of them followed the same pattern of mm. of just being absolutely, you know, kind, thoughtful mm. and friendly to people. So you that can't ask for much lovely. more in life. That really. sounds really lovely. Um, Isaac. Donald Everly, Don Everly, of course, also died this week. I, I was looking at the discography of the Everly Brothers and, and never has the revolution in music caused by the Beatles been more apparent. Mm. Just about everything the Everly Brothers issued from 1957 onwards was a massive hit, massive yes. hit in terms of singles mm. until 
1962 into 63 and the hits just stop overnight yeah, yeah absolutely course, you know the Beatles idolized the Everly Brothers yes. and they were a huge influence on them later Simon and Garfunkel uh, essentially based their whole career on the influence of the Everly's but also how sad with both Everly Brothers now gone that much of their adult lives mm. were spent in dispute with each other yes. and, and Jules as with other brothers, Liam and Noel, Ray and Dave <laughs> Davis, yes. and though, though not brothers, Simon and Garfunkel as well, these brotherly disputes seem so pointless. Absolutely. Yet yeah, they seem to go on for so yeah. long as a well. So lifetime. This, this lovely piece from Ray Connolly's sites talking about the about the Everly brothers. Uh, Phil Everly quoted as saying in 1970, this is you know 1970, mm. so it's still quite early on in proceedings. We've only ever had one argument. It's been lasting for 25 years. Of course, they were they were based on close harmony singing, weren't they? That is the mm. point of the Everly brothers, and that when they were singing together, and they might even have been on the same mic, and one basically couldn't look at the other. And that's the extent to which they've fallen out and like you say so pointless so that to the point where it you know it damages your brand doesn't it It damages your image um it's it seems they uh they were it was the royal albert hall i think in london in the 80s um and ray Connolly actually goes on to say that he met them in 84 they said they'd make a, a new album and that um dave edmonds was producing oh, yes. i think and it was a raised job to interview them for a promotional doc. Um, the idea is that they were going to release it with the album, talk about their careers. And he couldn't get them to sit down together. They had to interview them separately. Yeah, they couldn't even interview them in it's the same room. Um, and he, Dave also said, it's the same when they sing. Phil always wants me to record Dom first, saying he'll add his harmony afterwards, although he knows it doesn't sound so good when they do it that day. That was the extent to which. And the yeah. bizarre thing was, is that apparently they were very friendly to everybody, like Charlie Watts. They mm. were perhaps very nice to everyone, except each other. It's It seems... There just seems to be something about, and Ray makes a good point here, is that he said, where does the animosity, I can never say that word, and sibling mm. rivalry come from? Perhaps being forced to sing together from childhood, where they were performing the US Midwest on their family's country and Western radio shows. So they were sort of child stars kind mm. of pressed into service. And a lot of this stuff, I think, stems from people with parents that, that you know, showbiz parents. Mm. And Ray says most brothers are allowed to go their own way in life. The Everleys were tied together by the beauty of their voices. Each might have preferred a solo career, but when they did eventually go solo, neither sounded as good or has anything like the same success. Mm. Um, he said um, that one of his friends was working with them and staying in an adjoining motel room. He accidentally overheard a row between them. They were in their 40s by this point, so it wasn't even like they were still kids, which carried on into the early hours. Oh, my um, word. But that they said that, that part of the row the phrases that kept coming over that kept coming up was basically their dad kept coming up and they were both yeah. disputing over what the dad had said there does seem to be something about family relationships mm. that well fame warps everything i think it's a spotlight which which really can you know sort of damage and twist everything and if you've got a family if you've got the all families have have sort of melodramas around them, don't they? Even if you all get mm. on, there's always dynamics. There's always, you know, things flooding in from the past. The combination of that and worldwide fame is quite a mix, I think. And it's mm. and it just seems so sad. I mean, how many years did the Everly brothers waste hating each other? It just seems such a such a shame. I can't believe in these instances that people are on their deathbed and think, Thank goodness I spent 70 years not speaking to my brother. I, I, exactly, I, I, I yes. That, that was not a waste of time at all. Yeah. I gained so much from that. 
Coming up next, we travel back in time as far as BBC Four um, to watch Top of the Pops from 1991. That's <laughs> Which is right what the after. kids seem to want nowadays, clearly. <laughs> That's right, after the Everly Brothers. Muskrat, muskrat, what makes your back so slick? I've been living in the water all my life, it's a wonder I ain't sick, I ain't sick, I ain't sick. much like that by the Everly Brothers. I'm particularly there for the cowbell halfway through. I am Big one on of the these, cowbell. Yeah, it? I'm one of these more cowbell <laughs> people, perhaps inevitably given my musical taste. I heard that in a record shop a few years ago and I absolutely loved it. And when I am DJing out and about, I that often goes in my first hour sort of twangy section. I think it's a it's a great tune. And every time I've played it, it's it's not so well known, I think, amongst the, the Everly Brothers catalogue. And every time I've played it I always get someone coming up to going, Oh what's this? I really like this. It's really good. And sometimes people spot it's the Everly's and sometimes they don't. But that always makes me feel cheery. That is Muskrat by the Everly Brothers. Can't be too many songs in the rock canon where Tapirs get a shout Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Tapir Rock. It's a new yes. genre that they intend. They should, have, they, should have, they should have pursued that as a, a sort of a, as a marsupial <laughs> kind of way. Maybe they'd have, they'd have carved themselves out a niche. I don't know. It's a bit awkward, really, that the British music show Top of the Pops has become rather closely associated with the world of mm. um, Operation U Tree and yes. the awful exploitation of children and women by predatory disc jockeys. So there are awkward gaps in Top of the Pops history when reruns are broadcast. Uh, mm. Either specific presenters have to be edited out, yes. some artists, hello Gary Glitter, cannot mm. be featured. Or entire episodes that have to be passed over. For much of the 1960s and 1970s, Top of the Pops, it was essential viewing for us young Mm. music fans. There just wasn't anywhere else to see the people whose records we we bought, even though in the 60s uh, the presenters were always dull elderly blokes. It was still top viewing. Some groups and artists used their appearances to really 
stake a claim and shake up the old tired style of light entertainment at the BBC. I can remember the Beatles, the Dave Clark Five, Sandy Shaw, the Supremes, later T-Rex, David Bowie, all creating a storm when they appeared. The TV channel, BBC Four, is showing reruns of Top of the Pops, the episodes that have survived or can be shown. And this week, the edition from 18th of July 1991 was broadcast on Friday. It was presented by Jackie Brambles. Jules, did this rerun make you ache for the return of Top of the Pops? It was a curious confection, this, wasn't it? I mean, firstly, it opened, and I just thought, whatever happened to Jackie Brambles? You never hear of her nowadays. She was everywhere at one point. And so I've been actually watching, I missed I missed a few weeks, but I've been watching um, these reruns. They've been doing them, well, they've been doing them for ages, like you say. And so I've watched 88, 89, 90. And of course, with lockdown coming in, they've been getting through them much quicker than they otherwise would do, I think. And what's so striking is that this episode particularly seemed weird and they were obviously trying to make it into a cool music show. But it (laughs) makes you realise how formalised broadcasting was in the late 80s early 90s and it's particularly interesting if you watch the 88 89 series how rave comes in and bruno brooks and simon mayo and mark goodyear all go from wearing shirts and ties to present top of the pops to you know wearing tie-dye and trying to be a bit more relaxed all of the presenters that present that are crossing over from radio one so um Nicky Campbell, perhaps being slightly an exception to this because he's obviously Scottish, but, you know, Anthea Turner, Jackie Brambles, Mark Goodyear, they're all speaking RP. They're all they're all Mm. kind of quite posh and it sort of clashes of what's going on around them. Um, One thing that I did notice this would bring me to a big conclusion, which I will I will finish this piece with. But but um, they removed the chart rundown. So when I've been watching up until fairly recently, they would go off and do like, oh, we're going to do forty to forty to twenty now. So they go off and they and they do, oh, coming in at this thing, going up this many places is so and so. That wasn't made a big deal of at all. That was just shown on the screen during mm. a video, which I presume made space for more music. Which, given some of the really boring stuff that we had to sit through I wasn't necessarily that welcome I mean even people that I really like like Kathy Dennis that song went on for a very long time but for for, for a little sort of end that I could gather for little angels I've just written in my notes one line which is guns and roses are away because that was the impression that Mm. I just got about that you know there's oh quick we need another guns and uh, guns and roses let's pop them in um I noted about MC Hammer he was um he was sort of giving us a tune he said they put me in the mix no they didn't they put you in a green room by the look of it because there was a green screen in the background um uh, you know, Kim Appleby working very hard to polish what seemed to be a massive turd, as far as I could see. The the the, the thing that, that really kind of made me realise how just how flat the whole thing was. Mm. The best performance was from someone that had already died. They had that that um, duet between Nat, Nat King Cole, Cole and yes. Natalie Cole, and it, there was a ve- the the pacing was quite telling of that. I thought that that was you know actually very nice, and then it was followed by Alternate. And some footage of them and, and sort of people raving, and it was like a sort of a live type video thing. And it did, it felt like after the sort of flatness of everything that had gone before, it felt like someone had turned up and kicked my front room door in. It was very <laughs> kind of, I can imagine now, and obviously people always write in a moment I talk about how young I am allegedly, but I can, I, it made me realize that rave must have been really thrilling if you were a young person in 88, mm. 89, because it was completely out of 
left field and there was energy to it and I didn't feel there was any energy to the program before that point the whole thing was just about summed up by the number one being the ultimate bed blocker that is everything I do by by Brian Adams at the end and I just got the impression that it made me think of the thing I put at the top of my notes was Abigail's party (laughs) <laughs> now, if people haven't read it or seen it, Abigail's Party is a is a play by Mike Lee that was filmed for TV, and it's called Abigail's Party. We don't see Abigail's Party. Abigail is the daughter of one of the parents who are the parents all have kids at the party, and they've all been kind of shoehorned into this room, and we are watching we're not watching the main event we're watching a sideshow and at the end when one of the characters takes a call from abigail it sounds like their party is a complete riot it it feeds into the into the the alan bennett phrase that he used once about growing up that one got the impression that life was something that was lived elsewhere (laughs) i got the impression that we we weren't at the main party when we were watching this we were in this sort of a holding room just you know marking out time while some there were lots of acts elsewhere having a brilliant brilliant time also very much here for the collective noun so Jackie offered us the chance to take part in the experience obviously unfortunately a few years too late but we were invited to collate a coach load of groovers and I have to say as far as collective nouns go it's not quite up there with the parliament of owls but it's quite good isn't it maybe we could be a coach I just the impression that I got from this was that you got the impression there wasn't really an overarching um trend in music at that point it had become very scattered and it was it it was just very flat I just felt like there was something else going on elsewhere that was more interesting and the problem is is that I had to sit through all these interminable songs that weren't very good because they decided they weren't doing a proper chart rundown anymore which took the excitement out of having Mm. a chart show that's surely the whole point that you're building people up to find out what's number one yeah it didn't really do it for me I must admit this felt it felt from another time and place. I'd, yes. Um, listening stereo on Radio One. It yes, said, they were it? making a big do of that. Yeah. They, so every week they would. Everybody, of course, then had no flat screen TVs. You had these big chunky things in your yes. lounge, where Cheap it was sitting things, room, yeah. with a with mono, you know, one tiny tinny mono speaker. Mm. Um, yeah, there was the absurd hooping and cheering randomly inserted yes. to try and create an atmosphere what a terrible summer 1991 must have been <laughs> absolutely uh, it wasn't like when they were showing 1990 it was world in motion and absolutely. things like that this yeah was, only jesus jones saved this yes, edition for me true. i loved right here right now then which and they I, cut I off it. about two-thirds of the yes. way through, I noticed. <laughs> most of the other tracks i've completely forgotten about you mentioned the the little angels yes a sort of uh pretend uh bon jovi mm. or guns and roses attempt at stadium rock mc hammer with his trousers yeah kim appleby reminded me how hard it always was to generate atmosphere in the studio to slow songs um it, it, it was a sort of unmemorable tribute to mothers had a bizarre line in it this song that i'd completely forgot don't be messing with jack the lad so it was a very strange that's, thing that's to put. A very, in. That's a very, and you, it was, it didn't fit the sound of the song, did it? it was no, sort very of General sort of um, general R and B. Yeah, it's very strange. London beat with Jimmy Helms. He's got a lovely voice. One mm. thing that intrigued me: surely any producer would advise you finish the show with the song at number one. Yes, you <laughs> think, me, wouldn't after, you? 
after Brian Adams, everything I do, they closed with Voice of the Beehive, who were Which at number a, 38. A, and a rather pedestrian yeah. number yeah. as well, I felt. I quite like Voice of the Beehive. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, it just felt, like you say, it fed into the idea, why not? make excitement with the run that it was almost like they didn't know what to do with it yeah. it was it was the the impression that i got generally was oh do you know what we give up you know we don't really know what to do with this at the moment let's just stick a load of stuff on give jackie <laughs> brambles a mic and you know we'll just get on with it really and it, it felt it felt that they weren't that that bothered and so i wasn't that bothered really i did a um i thought i'd do a very quick where are they now mm. because i was intrigued because i thought a lot of these people i've never heard of again but jackie brambles is is now a tv presenter in scotland fair enough um, of the two women in voice of the beehive tracy brin is a teacher in california and her bandmate right. melissa belland runs a com a company also in california Toby Jepson of aforesaid Little Angels, mm. he presents his show as a DJ on Planet Rock. All right, okay. Lots of them seem to end up yes. in those kinds of stations. London Bees are still going amazingly and are still they? touring. Wow. Yeah, uh, doing doing shows this year. Kim Appleby's website is under reconstruction, which is uh, often not a good sign. No, not a discovered. great sign. And. Um, Finally, Kathy Dennis, she's continuing to perform live and can't stop writing hit singles for well, other people. I was going to say that there's a reason why I can't get you out of my head is nicknamed Kathy yeah. Dennis's gold plated pension pan because it and, is it um, is and toxic as well as her other big one, I think. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, she's written huge songs. Yes, yes. to this day. Exactly. And um, Jesus Jones, they're still touring there. In fact, they've got live dates in November. They played in Hastings a couple of years ago. They, they did one of those little sort of nightclub type affairs, I think. So, yeah, they're still around and about. I think it was an absolutely bizarre experience watching this <laughs> half hour and um, it was half it, an hour that we're never going to get back that no, was my principal impression it was like a end. different world 30 years ago but it was like a completely different planet coming next a quiz to test you mm. and Juliet as ever I'm going to lead us through this lads it'll be yes. alright it'll be okay and your knowledge or guesswork on songs at live gigs mm. Speaking of live gigs, it's seven years this week since Kate Bush played Hammersmith Odeon. Yes. Here's a lesser known but beautiful track from Kate Bush.
Beautiful version of a wonderful mm. traditional Irish song. This was originally on an album called Common Ground mm. Voices of Modern Irish Music, uh, but then on a Kate Bush collection called The Other Sides in 2019, reached number 18 in the UK. Kate Bush and Manan Aaron. That is lovely. A great choice. I've heard that before, but not for some time, so it was lovely to hear it again. Last week, we talked about encores and how they've become part of the culture, the remit mm. of the modern day gig experience. And this set me thinking about the songs that artists or bands draw from, uh, draw from their repertoire for their live shows mm. and how much thought goes into the selection and the order of the songs. And increasingly these days, it's much more of a non-flexible arrangement because the visual part of the show on big screens is run by software mm. and it doesn't allow for any ad hoc moments. So do established artists pick their favourite tracks for live shows or audience favourites or the bestsellers, the greatest hits, mixing in maybe tracks from a new album? Let's try and find out as we play What's Our Top Song? Mm. <laughs> which songs have these artists played the most times mm. in okay. live gigs? Okay, right, let's try. You can either have a huge big guess or I'll give you multiple choice of three. Oh, so can we do what we did last time, which is I have a big guess. And if okay. I get it wrong, I'm then allowed, I'm then allowed okay. multiple choice. Paul McCartney, solo shows only, post-Beatles. Paul McCartney, solo shoe, shows, not shoes, solo well, shows. Could, could be wearing but, shoes, maybe not. I was going to say, well, if he's only wearing a solo yeah. shoe, is it Paul McCartney's fault there's always one shoe in the middle of the motorway <laughs> reservation? Clearly it's him. It's his solo shoes. Solo I'm, shows. I'm, which, I'm, okay, so what I'm going to... Which song is Paul sung most going, live times? Which song is he Solo sung shows. Most? I'm still going to go with a non-Paul McCartney solo track and say, hey, Jude is number two of his his song most song he sung it 669 (laughs) times wow in solo shows so so have you got any other choices for me that i can pick from uh yes you can have from the top one is either from can't buy me love Mm. let it be or get back Let's say let it be. It's let it be 679 Mm. times third is band on the run Oh, interesting. So, top mm. three, Band on the Run, Hey Jude, and the most sung song by Paul McCartney at Let his solo be. shoes is Let It Be. <laughs> now then, Juliet, PJ Harvey. Oh, Had to have PJ man. Harvey. In PJ Harvey's 854 solo shows to date, <laughs> a lot of research gone on here, which yeah. song has she performed the most times? That, oh, this is almost impossibly it hard. Is, I ha- I've seen her three times, and even so, I'm trying to think if she played the well, same thing. Well, there's 851 you haven't seen then. Yeah, absolutely. This is not, this is not, yeah, this is not, not great. Um, Let's try 50 Foot Queenie. 
is third on the <gasps> list. Oh, okay. What, can you offer me another three and I'll see what I can pick? I can give you Let England Shake, Big Exit or Down by the Water. I will go down by the water. Is correct. Three hundred and forty-nine. Mm. The song uh, that broke her in the states, I think. So that's not a huge surprise, really. Big, ge- big exit was number two. Soft Queen at number three. A mm. uh, little bit of a change. This one. I need to get my red pen for this. Rolling Stones. I won't give you multiple choice on this one. This Ooh, is what okay. I'm going to ask you here. I have their top ten most played songs at live gigs. Right. How many of their top ten can you give Ooh, me in okay. sixty seconds? Oh my God! Right. Clock okay. Starts ticking now. Uh, satisfaction is at number five. Paint it black is not there. Oh, start me up is number six. Uh, it's only rock and roll is number eight. Black uh, brown sugar number two. Um, what else have they done? Jumping Jack Flash. Is number one, 1,167 uh, Wow. Uh, give me shelter. Nope. Oh, interesting. Getting, how many have you got to get? One, two, three. Only four to get. Um, uh, ooh, Donald uh, Trump. Five to get. Sorry, you've got five to get. Um, Donald Trump. Um, oh. Controversial. Um, he didn't want them. The Stones didn't you, want him. You can't always get what you want? Correct. Number nine. Ah, wow. A um, um, couple of big not, ones. You said give me shelter. What's the one that always seems to go with it? Oh, um, sympathy for the devil. Number seven. Mm. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's probably it for me now, I think. Um, There's one and, big one with the cowbell. Um, I met a ginsel barroom queen in Memphis. Oh. Uh, I can't Honky that's... Chunk Women Honk at number women. three. Ruby Tuesday. Nope. Tumbling Dice at four. Ah, oh, fair enough. And down at number ten, Miss You. Ah, yes, that kind of makes sense, given that they were probably touring a lot in the in the seventies, yeah. eighties. Yeah. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rolling Stones' um, last gig um, was the thirtieth of August, twenty nineteen, Miami, Florida. Mm. Uh, they did 19 songs, including two encores, which didn't wow. seem very much to me. Um, no, then they, are, they all old men, essentially, aren't they? So yeah, it's very true. Bonus question. The Rolling Stones have been touring since 1962. The top three countries they've played in um, is what I want. So two should okay. be obvious. The top three countries they've played in. UK. Is second. US. Number one. Third. Australia. Yeah, see, I just said Australia, Japan, it's Germany. So How I suppose they were following maybe the, the, the Beatles route maybe yes, out there. Yes, maybe. And, yeah. and playing for the forces maybe, I don't know. But no, that is interesting. 677 shows in the USA alone. Wow, okay. wow. That's a, that's a Laura Laura Stones, isn't a it? A Laura Laura Stones. Of course, we finish with the Beatles. Oh, man, okay. They have played, they played live 1,461 times of which 993 were in the United Kingdom. Where is, where is, Juliet, bonus question, where is the Beatles' most played venue? Oh, man, uh, the Cavern. Of course it is. Well done. <laughs> 215 times out of the 993. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? And it's it also, so incredible. interesting, the next four after the Cavern Club are all in Hamburg. 
Oh, of so, course. Yeah. It just it just goes to show how hard they worked early on, and then actually, interestingly, they became so tight as a live band, and then hardly ever played, didn't they? After yeah, that, they stopped exactly. playing live by the yes. by the mid to late sixties. So so yeah, that is that is quite something. By the way, blame setlist.fm if you disagree mm. with any of these stats because I ve- pulled I've, it from there. I very much enjoy setlist.fm. It's a it's mm. I've been on there many times to sort of see either shows I've seen or where I've been to see bands playing more than one show. I me and my friend nickname it here's what you could have won when they show you so we saw pj harvey at brixton on halloween i think in 2016 and she played the night before which we discovered much to our disappointment that we had not seen her cover of highway 61 which, oh. which had been the night before and she'd done done something different for our encore but uh, but yes it's a good tool final question top mm. five beatles most played songs oh, in the you, live environment you you're going to ask me this three um, are, three are covers big clue for you there oh okay um the is their number one twist and shout is number one 374 very well done julia I wow i mean it's it's so so these are so the fact you've given me the clues covers is helpful yeah so it's two um, more covers and two non-covers okay um and so there, so i would say go back to the early days because yes, as you know after 65 yeah. no life uh she okay. loves you Number three, well done. Played two hundred and ten times. Uh, um, One more original. I saw her standing there. No. That's always a. a um, uh, say, did I say love me do? No. This this is. I would. I would never ever have got this. The other. The other um, mm, non cover is in fifth place. They played it one hundred and ninety eight times. Um, trying to think of a clue. Um, well, um, can't. Buy Me Love. Yeah, number five. Mm, now, the other two are both covers. So we've got Can't Buy Me Love at five. She Loves You at three. And Roll Tristan Over Churchill. Beethoven. Correct, number four. The Chuck Berry number. Chuck Berry, and, 203 times. I'm just trying to think the other, the other song that they used to play, like, that they used to cover. Huge you know, influence on them. It's second in their most played songs of all time. I, I'm not sure. I think you have Little to Richard. Uh, um, Long Tall Sally. Correct. You've done so, brilliantly. Okay. Well, I did. I did have a lot of. I was. I was led to drink a lot of water by you during that. So thank you very much. But uh, very tough being put on the spot for these. You did brilliantly there. Oh, thank you very much. It's it's interesting. Isn't it interesting? As always, you say you get a completely different snapshot of the Beatles' career from that Mm. because it is all the early stuff, isn't it? Really. So if so, so when you but interestingly, although they were hugely, obviously hugely, hugely successful, when we've talked on previous weeks about the most played tunes on Spotify, Mm. a lot of those come from the later period don't they really yes. those are sergeant exactly. pepper onwards yes. which is is interesting but in the live environment of course it all had to be um pre-65 really yeah. and, and uh, also the big the big numbers as well i'm su- quite surprised that i saw her standing there isn't mm. in there i am just to go slightly off topic we're not entirely off topic so i think i'm allowed mm. um in recent years there have been something that takes place down here where i live in hastings called beatles day which takes place has took place 15 years in a row i think pre-rock lock down there's a venue in Hayes called the White Rock Theatre there are two stages and it's basically Beatles and Beatles related songs covered by local bands to the downstairs stage goes from 12 to 7 I think and the upstairs stage goes from 12 until sort of 10 or 11 usually it's 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 an amazing undertaking and the song that you will hear perform the most all day is I saw her standing there because <laughs> it's a very easy rocker to pick up that's quite quick 
everyone knows it and people respond to it very well and and there are often because it's a it's a charitable enterprise by the way and it's raised hundreds of thousands for Macmillan Cancer over the years it's been an incredible thing and they're often put together last minute bands that you know because there's a running order and like all these things where there's stuff on all day it's like live on a very 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 small scale there'll yeah. be people pull out or gaps in the program or stuff like that and if there's a put together band of blokes from various bands that get on the stage you just know that they're immediately going to launch into I saw her standing there and they always always do it gets to the point where at the end of each Beatles day I don't want to hear I saw her standing there again for about six months because you hear it absolutely all day the song that by the way if you sign up late for Beatles Day you always used to get offered was Octopus's Garden nobody ever wanted it <laughs> well you were actually in, to be fair in naming I saw her standing there it was number six we went for the ah, top five so it was enough. a very very good guess they played not, it not far off. times I mean you can see why as well it's a song that just works live isn't it you can just you can just rattle through it whoever's doing doing the solo can do what they feel like and then it's all done isn't it rest of the top 10 for completists seven mm, from on. me to you eight a hard day's night nine i want to be your man and 10 all my loving i want to be your man another cover of course by the rolling stones isn't yeah. it um, mm. well the, the beatles wrote it for the rolling Stones. oh that's right yes yeah, so that's interesting i'm surprised I was at Hard Day's Night's not higher up, but maybe they'd stop. Number eight, yeah. Maybe they didn't, yeah. maybe they didn't tour to promote the film very much. Yeah, maybe that was right. already getting towards the end of their playing days. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for playing What's Our Top Song. Yes, and indeed. I hope you did very well. I'm sure you did. Thanks for listening this week. And um, we As can, always. of course, listen to you further on your radio show. Yes, I've had a couple of weeks off, but I will be back on the ocean waves. And by ocean waves, you mean radio waves doing my smooth sailing show from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, today, is it, we're recording Sunday. Uh, it's on Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 on Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris. Or you can just look for Juliet Harris on my name on the, on the thing. Um, you can also click the show reel button on my page and enjoy previous shows at your ledger and the uh, Saturday social uh, soul shows I did last year were on there as well if you scroll down far enough so that's it and all about it really one quick last thing about the Beatles mm. playing live yeah go on is it's quite interesting to see the songs that they only ever played once oh okay go on so there's there's loads of loads and loads and loads of them many of them are covers of joe brown songs oh, they did take good care of my baby by carol king once oh interesting um, they did love of the loved Scylla black once well yeah uh, but that was they wrote it didn't they, they indeed they did mm. yeah a few elvis covers uh buddy holly crying waiting hoping they did once bebop mm. Aluda, they did once and mm. from their own canon and i love her they only did once oh, interesting they, yeah very eight days a week they only did I'm once surprised they didn't do that more often that's really surprising but again i suppose it was later on maybe i'll follow the sun they do they did once um so there we are so to play us out jules away from the beatles and we go back to the stones golden era yeah i did want a bit of charlie to to, to finish mm. the show i must admit brilliant drumming on this that manages to be unobtrusive yet power the song at the same time i think it's he did a lot of things very quietly very well i think and i i very very much enjoyed this tune um we we should i really should have picked the pairing as you said earlier on i don't know why sympathy for the devil and this song always seem to get <laughs> paired together but anyway this is great brilliant vocals by mary clayton who i think we've spoken about before in terms of backing vocalists on, on this podcast uh, this is so great i'm not always a big stones head but i could listen to this for a very long time these are the rolling stones powered by the excellent drumming of uh, charlie watts rest in power and this is gimme shelter 
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>